can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the February 3rd edition of the sunny side of sports. Let's start our sunny side of sports engines in Cape Town. The scenic South African city will host the continent's first ever Formula E championship for electric racing cars on February 25th. The vehicles are powered by batteries charged by generators run on biofuel, making the E-Pre an event driven completely by clean energy. And auto racing experts are predicting the Cape Town E-Pre will help the sport take a giant leap forward in Africa. Darren Taylor tells us more. These electric-powered Formula E racing cars sound very different to their Formula One counterparts, although they look identical. The E-cars, though, are a bit slower, reaching top speeds of 320 kilometers per hour. Their Formula One cousins can go almost 400 kilometers per hour. Formula E made its debut only eight years ago, with organizers focused on the electrification of the automobile industry. They introduced hybrid and electric systems that would reduce carbon dioxide emissions. Traditional Formula One cars have internal combustion engines powered by high-octane fossil fuels that pollute the atmosphere. South African businessman and motorsport enthusiast Ian Banner has been fighting to bring an E-Prix to Cape Town since he saw the very first Formula E race at the Beijing Olympic Green Circuit in September 2014. Well, just imagine this. You are competing with the world. There's many, many cities in the world that are looking to put this on. It's an expensive endeavor. You need a street circuit that's got to be prepared. We have the city of Cape Town who very graciously believed in us and have built the track. You've got all sorts of capex required around barriers and fences and tech pro infrastructure. That's before you've even started getting towards the race. Banner had to bring all 11 Formula E teams, including those of Porsche, Maserati and Nissan, to Cape Town to do inspections and to green light the proposed track. It's a big, big lift. We are on the tip of Africa, but I've always believed we can punch above our weight. And here we are having successfully secured it. You know, it's a great spectacle. And we've tried to make it even greater by bringing purpose and a cause that will result in legacy in our country under the Go Green Africa banner. And it'll be a showpiece that people will love to come and see and experience, showcasing the incredible power of these Formula E vehicles on a racetrack that I believe will be a top three on the global calendar. Go Green Africa is a private initiative supported by some of the continent's biggest corporates to educate people about the need to switch to sustainable energy sources and to move away from harmful fossil fuels. And there's a 10-day festival ahead of the race, an electric vehicle road trip for 10 days. 
which is going to bring a highlight to e-mobility. We have a festival called Electric that will happen adjacent to the racetrack for two days, showcasing all things e from bicycles and scooters and one-wheelers to cars, OEMs, buses, taxis, etc., charging solutions. Banner explains the racetracks constructed around the iconic Cape Town Stadium near the ocean and at the foot of Table Mountain. It's 2.88 kilometers in length. I've been over it many times recently and it showcases the beauty of the mother city, which in turn showcases Africa and South Africa in a beautiful way to the world. Banner can't wait for the e-engines to start in Cape Town on the 25th of February. And remember, we're not doing this for one year. We're doing this for the next 10, I think 20 or 30 years. This needs to be a permanent feature. We need to bring people back into South Africa travel-wise after COVID. They need to come and ex experience this beautiful country. We have so much to offer, by the way, of hospitality and restaurants and, and the like, the wine farms, the ocean, the mountains. So it's a global destination. It's an international destination that people would love to come and be part of. And this is just another of those exciting properties that's going to help. To bring he says he'd love to win EPRI races for other major African cities. But he acknowledges adequate infrastructure and the stringent requirements of motorsports governing body, the FIA, are major challenges. For now, he says, he'll concentrate on winning African fans for Formula E, and in so doing, winning converts to alternative energy sources. For the sunny side of sports, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg. Thanks, Darren! VOA's Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. You can follow the sunny side of sports on Facebook, Twitter, and at voaafrica.com. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. My Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. And if you go to VOAAfrica.com, you can listen online to the Sunny Side of Sports and other VOA programs. Check out VOAAfrica.com. Pro basketball, seven NBA games Thursday night. In Indianapolis, Indiana, Los Angeles Lakers superstar LeBron James moved within 63 points of becoming the NBA's all-time career scoring leader. The AP's Dave Ferry has that story as well as reports on victories by New York, Dallas, Cleveland, and Denver. Take it away, Dave. 
The Lakers were 112-111 winners at Indiana as LeBron James pulled within 63 of becoming the NBA's all-time leading scorer. He had 26 points as he tries to catch Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I grew up being a historian of all sports and understanding, you know, that I didn't, I don't have the number like planted in my head, the, the actual real number. I know it's 38-something, but I know it's been Kareem in my whole life. Um, so um, it's pretty cool. I think it's one of the greatest records um, in sports in general. I think it's up there with the home run record um, you know, in baseball. Um, it's just one of those records that um, you just don't ever see or think that would be broken. James also gave L.A. its first lead on a three-pointer with 235 remaining. Anthony Davis knocked down an 11-footer with 35.1 seconds left, part of his 31-point performance. The Pacers scored just 44 points in the second half of their fourth straight loss. Tyrese Halliburton provided 26 points and 12 assists. Aaron Neesmith had a career-high 24 points. And Miles Turner added 20 with 13 boards for the Pacers. R.J. Barrett climbed out of the doghouse while leading the Knicks 106-104 victory over the Heat. There was a lot of communication tonight and uh, just, you know, even what, even what we were doing. Um, I say we were very locked in tonight. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, we got a big dub for sure. Barrett scored 30 points after being benched for the last 12 minutes of New York's previous game, an overtime loss to the Lakers. Julius Randle had 23 points, 10 rebounds, and 6 assists. The Knicks had a pair of 11-0 runs in the third quarter, allowing them to withstand the Heat's 21-4 spurt in the period. Bam Adebayo had 32 points and Tyler Hero 25 for Miami. The Mavericks were without Luka Doncic as they completed a 111-106 decision over the Pelicans. Doncic injured his right heel while taking a hard foul in the third quarter. The All-Star had 31 points before leaving the game for good, with Dallas ahead by 27 midway through the third. Spencer Dinwiddie furnished 21 points and Josh Green scored 9 of his 15 after Doncic exited. The Pelicans dropped their 10th in a row and fell under 500 for the first time this season. Brandon Ingram was high man for New Orleans with 26 points and C.J. McCollum added 19 with 8 assists. Snubbed from the upcoming All-Star game, Darius Garland sent the Cavaliers to a 128-113 win against the Grizzlies. Garland delivered 32 points and 11 assists after learning Thursday he wasn't selected to the Midwinter Classic. We got other games to play. We got somewhere in what we want to get to. Yeah, trying to get to the playoffs. So, um... All-Stars have come. Jared Allen provided 18 points and 11 rebounds, while Evan Mobley added 17 points and 14 boards. Memphis has now dropped 7 of 8 since the 31-13 and 13 start. Desmond Bain had a team-high 25 points, and John Morant added 24 with 8 rebounds and 8 assists for the Grizzlies. The Nuggets were 134-117 winners over the Warriors behind Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. Murray had a game-high 33 points for the Nuggets, who broke the game open with a 16-0 run in the third quarter. I guess when I have that, when I have that space, just not hesitating, just pulling it, and um, you know, the team believes in my shot, believe in me, so uh, just staying confident. Jokic recorded his 17th triple-double of the season by the midway mark of the third quarter. He finished with 22 points, 16 assists, and 14 rebounds. Contavious Caldwell-Pope added 18 points as the Western Conference leaders improved to 24-4 and at home. Steph Curry had 28 points and Jordan Poole 22 for the Warriors, who led by 11 in the second quarter. I'm Dave Ferry. Thanks, Dave, for that spicy NBA package. In Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Giannis Antetokounmpo fired in 54 points. 
to lead the Bucks to a 106-105 victory over the Los Angeles Clippers. Talk to us, Giannis. Man, I never thought I'm going to score 50 in the NBA when I got drafted. You know, it's it's insane. Crazy journey. Now, you know, I finish a game and I scored 50. I'm like, what just happened? It's insane. But it's a lot of hard work, a lot of um, self-belief. Giannis Antetokounmpo joins Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the only players in Bucks history to have at least three 50-point games in a season. Giannis talks about self-belief. Well, I know Bucks coach Mike Budenholzer believes in Giannis. He's just incredibly special uh, to do it. You know, 50 is so tough in this league, and I... Uh, I've never been around anybody who's done it three times in a season. And, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is, you know, he's an icon in our league. And Giannis is building his legacy. Um, I'm glad to have a great seat to watch it. VOA Africa would like to hear from you. Send us a text message or a voice note on WhatsApp 24-7. Leave a comment, request, or send us a greeting. And you could be hearing your message on VOA Africa. Simply dial the international code plus one, then 202-258-3076. We are always happy to hear from you. The number again is international code plus one, then 202-258-3076. VOA Africa, your trusted source for news, sports, entertainment and music. Sporty greetings. This is Namsham Pelo, media officer of Banyana Banyana of South Africa. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Hello, this is Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Wake up. Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Thanks, Heather. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Samson O'Malley joins us once again with another spicy package of African sports news. 
Sporty Friday greetings, Samson. Sporty Friday greetings to you too, Sunny. We begin the wrap of Africa Sports Highlight for this weekend with the African Nations Football Championship being hosted by Algeria. The finals of the competition will be played on Saturday, the 4th of February, between host Algeria and Senegal. The biannual football tournament, which was originally scheduled to take place in 2022 in Algeria, but was moved to 13th of January to 4th of February of this year features teams consisting of players who currently play in their local leagues in Africa. Host Algeria will play in their first Chan final after easing past Niger 5-0 on Tuesday. The other semi-final between Senegal and Madagascar was a much tighter affair, but a fifth-minute goal from Papa Diallo was enough to see the Lions of Taranga progress to their first final in the competition's history. Staying with CAF competitions, Africa Soccer Ruling Body CAF has conducted the draws for the 2023 Under-17 African Cup of Nations. 12 countries qualified to compete in the tournament later to hold in Algeria. CAF head of competition Khalid Nasser conducted the draws in Cairo. This competition will take place from 29th April to 19 May. These are the compositions of the group after the drawing of lots. Group A in Algiers, Nelson Mandela Stadium, Algeria, Senegal, Congo, Somalia. Group B in Shahid Hamlawi Stadium, Constantine, Nigeria, Morocco, South Africa, Zambia. Group C in Annaba, 19,956 Stadium, Cameroon, Mali, Burkina Faso and South Sudan. The four semi-finalists will qualify for the 2023 FIFA Under-17 World Cup, which will be held in Peru from November 10th to December 2nd this year. In the meantime, the CAF Under-20 African Cup of Nations Start Egypt 2023 will take place in Egypt from the 19th of February to the 11th of March 2023. The host cities are Cairo, Ismailia and Alexandria. The 12th nation tournament will begin with a mouth-watering opening game between host Egypt and Mozambique on Sunday the 19th of February. Ahead of the tournament, Zambia under 20 men's national team are scheduled to play an international friendly match against Nigeria this weekend before heading to Dakar where they will entertain Senegal on February 7th in the second international friendly. Chris Mbewe, coach of the young Chipolopolo of Zambia, says the friendly games will provide his charges with a needed test ahead of the championship. For us, these games are very important for us. Uh, uh, I think if you see the way our group is, we've got two Western uh, uh, teams and again, the, the association have arranged these uh, two international friendlies against Nigeria, against uh, Senegal. Adrian Kashala, Football Association of Zambia General Secretary, told the young Chipolopolo to stay focused and aim for the semi-finals. The top four, okay, so we cannot miss out of this four. We've been the best in the region and I believe that when we get there we'll dominate. People are, sh- are, sh- are shaking wherever they may be. So, first qualified the World Cup and then now we get the cup and bring it. That's what we're going there for. Another country going to the CAF Under-20 Nations Cup is the Hippos of Uganda. I'm Jackson Mayanja, a former professional football player, former player for experience, sportive, the Tunis, former master player, and now a former captain also for the national team of Uganda Cranes. I just urge everybody to listen to the sunny side of sports on the Voice of America. Head coach Jackson Mayanja says despite the team's 2-0 win over a local side in one of their build-up games, his technical team still has some final touches to make. They must be comfortable on the ball. It's a very big problem 
players are not comfortable on the ball. So I'm trying to make sure I put them to be comfortable on the ball, which is very, very important today. Most footballers just are scared to keep the ball. So that's why you see most of these teams we have played, these are top, top teams in the league, Premier League. At least we have managed to beat them convincingly because of that comfortability on the ball and the trust in the footballers. The under-20 Afghan will also serve as qualifiers for the FIFA under-20 World Cup in Indonesia in May. Away from football news now, the Indo Hockey World Cup for men and women begins in Pretoria, South Africa on Sunday. The men's and women's event will both run from Sunday the 4th to 11th of February. Host nation South Africa women's team are drawn in Pool A alongside Australia, Austria, Netherlands, New Zealand and the United States. South Africa women's captain Jess O'Connor says their preparations leading to the World Cup has been good. We played against Namibia, I think in November last year, and in December we had a series against Ireland which was also good every everything's kind of been a step in the right direction um, and then we had a camp now in January and that was another step up so I think we we're 90% there for where we want to be and yeah I guess we have these practice games we have been playing Belgium in a practice game and USA in a practice game so hopefully not USA sorry Canada in a practice game so hopefully when the tournament starts we'll be ready one of Africa's representatives at the Women Indoor Hockey World Cup is Namibia. The ladies had their training sessions in Namibia and according to team captain Margaret Mengo, the team is confident of going far in the tournament. We're super excited and uh, preparation has been really well. We've played seven games uh, with extended times. We've tested our ability. We've played a few games against the Dutch, the national team itself, and also a few of the top clubs. Uh, it went well. Um, I think it was good exposure for the team and for preparation of the world because this is the top hockey that you can find in the world. Uh, we're super excited and uh, ready mentally and physically for the World Cup. And on to basketball. Club African of Tunisia have qualified for the semi-final of the Dubai International Basketball Championship after beating Libya's El Nasser SC 74-64 in the quarter-final match played on Thursday. The Tunisian side will now face winners of the game between Dynamo Lebanon SC and ASL of Morocco in the semi-final on Saturday. Club African had secured two wins against ASL and Beirut Club in the first round and lost to Al Riyadi SC in Group B. And now to cricket. South Africa beat India by five wickets in the final to clinch the women's T20I Tri-Series title on Thursday. South Africa chased down the target 110 with 12 balls to spare. Chloe Tryon top scored with 57 not out of just 32 balls. Earlier, opting to bat India posted a below par 109 for four with Harlan Dill top scoring with a 56 ball 46. In athletics, defending champion of the London Marathon Amos Kipruto will be up against the fastest man on the field, Ethiopia's Kenenisa Bekele, as he beats to retain his title come April 23. Kipruto will be in the company of 23-year-old compatriot Kelvin Kiptum, who produced the fastest marathon debut in history as he claimed victory in Valencia in December in 2 hours, 1 minute, 53 seconds. The London Marathon winner says he's already looking forward to the 2023 season. I got now to maintain the uh, the the goals I did in 2022. So I know the year is going to end and end, and I know my plans for 2023 are coming in. So now I've started my training. Uh, I finished the gym and now I started the training. 
Finally, in boxing news, Ghanaian boxer Isaac Dobe will meet Rebesi Ramirez in a featherweight bout with title implications on April 1 in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The bout is expected to be contested for either the vacant WBO featherweight title or the interim belt. Dobe is a former 122-pound champion who lost his title to Navarrete via division in 2018. Joshua Clote, former IBF welterweight champion, is optimistic that his fellow Ghanaian boxer can win the title. Very, very tough, especially Dogbe Hoon. The reason why I said Dogbe Hoon is Dogbe is learning different strategy by moving. He is too short. And the guy that is going to fight is two times Olympic medalist. And he's uh, a southpaw. So all advantages on the guy. And I don't even know if Dogbe have to make a plan that he have to follow the guy. But Dogbe is the defenseless guy. He don't get a good defense. But if the boy have a defense, he was just stuck the guy in. He's going to take the guy out. That's Joshua Cloti, Ghana's former International Boxing Federation welterweight champion. And thanks to Samson Omale for that hard-hitting African sports package. I'm VOA Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on the voice of America. Kenya's only ice hockey team, nicknamed the Ice Lions, says it's hungry for success despite having only one skating rink and little international experience. VOA's Gwen Uten tells us more. Sporty greetings, Gwen! Sporty greetings, Sonny. When you think of Kenya's warm tropical climate, you wouldn't expect the country to produce athletes in ice hockey, a winter sport not commonly played in Africa. Well, 28-year-old Kenyan architect Benjamin Mburu hopes to change that as captain of Kenya's first and only national ice hockey team. His passion for the sport began playing street hockey on pavements and rooftops in his hometown Kikuyu, located northwest of the Kenyan capital Nairobi. And Mburu tells Reuters News his friends convinced him to swap his rollerblades for a pair of skates. My journey to playing ice hockey started when I joined college. Uh, I rollerbladed first, then uh, I played inline hockey. Then one day a few of my friends invited me to go play ice hockey and uh, that was the beginning of this very beautiful journey. His beautiful journey into ice hockey attracted enough attention and interest for Mburu to form a team called the Kenya Ice Lions. And he says the team organized games between themselves with the help of volunteer coaches and several online tutorials. As a nice hockey player, uh, knowing that I don't have enough ice time to train and the exposure is not really as good as compared to abroad, uh, mostly I resort to there's assistance from some of our coaches who are all volunteers. They are experts who live in Nairobi and uh, work in Nairobi. But also there's, we, we learn from online sites, there are online coaching tutorials. And also now for the training, we sometimes resolve to inline hockey, which is more or less similar to ice hockey. And that way we get to learn more, stick handling, how to move the ball, how to move the puck, how to position yourself. 
The Ice Lions practice their skills at the Solar Ice Rink in Nairobi, the only rink of its kind in East and Central Africa. But if the facility is not available, they put in the hard work on streets and rooftops to make up for lost time on the ice. Equipment is hard to come by in Kenya, so the team relies on donations to help pay shipping costs for their ice hockey gear. Coaches are difficult to find as well, but luckily, the Ice Lions found one in Tim Colby, a 59-year-old Canadian expatriate who says his team is hungry for success. When I coach here, I realize the kids pick it up faster. They're a little bit hungrier. They want to succeed. They want to try this new sport. And, you know, if we have 40 or 50 people playing ice hockey, they're one of 40 or 50 people in a country of 40-plus million. So it's very special. They're very unique. The Ice Lions have competed in friendly matches against teams from the United States and Canada. They came just short of winning the Kenya Ice Hockey League Friendship Tournament title in January, losing 9-4 to American team Hal Cheetahs in the tournament final. But Friendship League champion Michael Batinger says playing against the Ice Lions was tough. Uh, they're fast, right? So uh, training at elevation here in Nairobi, uh, really goes to show because their lungs and their legs are constant. We really had to game plan uh, to put as many goals and as much offense in the first half of the game because in the second half, we're tired, but they're still going. And like the Ice Lions, the sport of ice hockey is also gaining momentum in Kenya and across Africa. It's currently played in five other African countries, South Africa, Morocco, Algeria, Egypt, and Tunisia. And Ice Lions team captain Benjamin Mburu says his next dream is to one day see Kenya join South Africa and Morocco as members of the International Ice Hockey Federation. And that that is all from me, Sonny. Back over to you. Thanks, Gwen. That's my VOA colleague, Gwen Uten. And skate on, Ice Lions of Kenya. And that wraps up the February 3rd edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in and have a nice weekend. I'm VOA Sonny Young in Washington, and that's the sunny side of sports. I get it.